1: Here at Mountain Dew, we'd like to remind you, you got to know what's important and what's not important. Knowing how to tie a tie, not important. Keeping a diary, not important. Trying all the different bold flavors of Mountain Dew, important. Experience the boldest flavors on earth. Do the do.
0: The Exxon Radio Show is heard on radio broadcast affiliates worldwide, including... AM 580 CFRA in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. WPUL AM 1590 in Daytona Beach, Florida. K O H I AM 1610 in St. Helens, Oregon. KHRO AM 1150 in El Paso, Texas. And for more information on becoming a professional broadcast affiliate of the Exxon Radio Show, visit www.xzbn.net Welcome back to The x everyone. My name is Rob McConnell, coming to you from our studio in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Toll-free worldwide, 1-800-610-7035. Email xzone at xzoneradiotv.com. On MSN Messenger, xzoneradiotv at hotmail.com. And our website, www.xzoneradiotv.com. We're going to be talking about miracles this hour talking about angels, demons, and why and how some people attract demons into their lives. My special guest this hour is Pastor Patrick Elizabeth Sims, a native of Meridian, I'm sorry, Mississippi. And um, geez, on July 31st, the pastor will be celebrating 34 years of marriage to her husband. She has three daughters, one son, five granddaughters, uh, and three grandsons. And Pastor Sims is with Mana Mis- Ministries, and their website is www.manaministries.net. And Pastor, welcome to the X-Zone. Thank
2: you. Thank um- you excited about being on your show today.
0: Well, we're we're very happy to have you with us, Pastor. It seems that these times are truly a times of angels, miracles, and a rebirth, a resurgence in people looking for God. Why is that?
2: Yes. Well, with the, the, the situations that are in our world, looking at the economy, Um, the the earthquakes, the tsunamis, um, people are looking for some help. They're Mm -hmm. looking for some answers. They're wondering, and I've had several, we've had several who've called us and asked, you know, are are we living in the last days? What's really going on here? Mm -hmm. And the answer to that is, yes, we are living in the last days. And what we see happening around us now is only going to escalate and get worse than what we see.
0: But is it really the end days, the end of the world, Pastor, or is this just the end of the old ways and the beginning and realization that there's much more to life than we understand and people around the world are going to join in spiritual relationships as never before?
2: Well, I know that we, what we believe, there's a scripture, well, several, actually, Mm -hmm. But I'm thinking particularly of Matthew 25 that talks about the different things that will be going on in the world during the end times. And, of course, the end times that just, did not just now begin, but we are definitely actually in them.
3: Mm-hmm. Now,
0: I believe the end times started uh, right after the crucifixion. Yes. Pastor, stand by. You and I have to take our break. We'll be back in two minutes. Exo Nation Pastor Patrick Elizabeth Sims is our special guest, and she is with Mana Ministries in Lawton, Oklahoma. Their website: www.manaministries.net. My name's Rob McConnell. This is the Exo. We're going to be talking this hour to the pastor about miracles. We're going to be talking to her about divine interventions, demons angels, and much more. Don't go away. We'll be back in two minutes.
1: It's
3: hard me to say I'm sorry. I just want
0: you to stay. my guest this hour is Pastor Patrick Elizabeth Sims. And uh, the pastor is with Mana Ministries. Their website is www.mannaministries.net. And Pastor, I guess a lot of people ask these days, do miracles really happen?
2: Uh, my answer to that is definitely, yes, they do still happen. And I have been the recipient of several of them myself. I've been the eyewitness to many of them in my own family. Mm-hmm. My my husband, uh, Bishop Kenneth Sims, in October of 2003, he coded at UAB in Birmingham, Alabama. And this was all after having three brain surger- surgeries about a week prior to that. Um, He had an inoperable golf ball sized tumor embedded in the occipital area of his brain, Mm -hmm. and there's really, (laughs) excuse me, there's really too many medical problems that he was experiencing for me to name them here. But he coded and was placed on the ventilator, and we had at any any given time a team of sixteen to twenty three specialists. After a few hours, the chief of these specialists called me in and said. Uh, your husband is too far gone, you need to pull the plug, because mm-hmm. when they're this far gone, they never return. Mm-hmm. But before this actually happened, my husband had warned me that it would, and that no matter what they say, that I needed to stand and not back down, Don't not to pull the plug. And that was a difficult thing to do, but I had to put my faith out there and to do just that, to stand on that. And I insisted that they put a feeding tube in. And when I was allowed to go and see him, it was no doubt that he was not there. I mean, he was a big man, bodybuilder, muscle-bound, and he had just been reduced to, like, 140 pounds. He looked purple. He was, uh, eyes were walled. His, they were fixed. His mouth was just hanging open, and he really wasn't there, like they said. But I would go in every day, and I would pray over him. I would speak uh, God's Word over him, and I just talked to him like he could hear me and he could understand me. And I would sing songs that my daughter and I, my daughter wrote them, but we sing together as a group. And I would sing those songs over him, and they they felt kind of sorry for me because they thought um, that I was just really in denial. But I was standing, just standing in faith believing, and to make a long story short, on the third day, he rose. Mm -hmm. And when I walked into the room, into the ICU, he was in ICU, CCU, CICU, MCI. He had so many problems. And then even after he um, came back on that third day, The heart surgeon called me that afternoon and said he's got some problems with the heart, and we're going to try to let him rest up a little bit because he's really not uh, able to bear this surgery, but we either do it or he dies. And I was just convinced that God did not bring him back for him to be out of here. And I was thinking about the words that he said, and uh, long story short, in the space of about six weeks, he had five operations, and one um, to the brain where um, they were trying to operate on a golf, that golf ball-sized tumor. And then he had to have a correction to that because the surgeon um, failed to tie off, um, uh, failed to cauterize some leaky vessel, so after having two blood transfusions, prior to the surgery to try to get him ready for this, they allowed him to bleed for three consecutive days profusely. He never should have lived through that. But, you know, a miracle is, uh, well, even Webster describes it as an extraordinary event manifesting as a supernatural work of God. And there is no other way for me to describe what happened with him in that he died twice, and he's been near death so many times. He's reinvented himself three times. Um, and he's just, he's motivational for anybody who gets uh, around him. Uh, they, in fact, it, we're, he's called the Iron Man because he just keeps, keeps coming back. But his faith is, is so strong in God, and that's why he's still here. I mean, it's a miracle that he is still walking around because before the brain surgery, the doctor in Mississippi told me to anticipate that he would be a blind vegetable if he lived, but he, when they were bringing him out of surgery and taking him into recovery, he was just swinging those arms and legs and just fighting with everything that was within him. And I would tell I told the medical doctors and nurses and professionals, my husband and I will walk out of here together. And that was even when he was considered dead by all intents and purposes. And uh, it was about three months later before we actually did walk out of there, but we did walk out.
0: Tell me about angels. During your your, your ordeal with your husband's many medical problems, the fact that the doctors basically told you to pull the plug and, and you stood by your husband's wishes and based on your husband's wishes and, and your belief. Did any angels come to you? Did you see any angels? did was there any angelic help?
2: I didn't actually witness seeing any at that point mm-hmm. at that during that time that we were in the hospital. But there were nurses that would come in. We had so many people coming in to our room for prayer, and they would say there's something, there's a a strong presence, a soothing, calming presence in this room. And even as sick as what he was, they just wanted to be around him. So they would come in sometimes 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, and nurses would sit on my little cot and bed, and I would pray with them, um, share with them, and and help them. And one night, my back was to the window where I was sitting on the cot, and the nurse was sitting, obviously, opposite of me, and I saw her look up, and just in amazement, and it happened really fast, and she said she'd never seen anything like that before. She said, an angel just went behind you. And that was encouraging to me, because she was not a a believer like I was, Mm -hmm. uh, but she saw the, the angel and we had a, a another experience where a young lady who uh, was in housekeeping had come to my room shortly after he, he my husband coded and she came in to comfort me <clears throat> that was her intent but I, I started talking to her about some of the things that I knew that she was doing and I told her that my husband was in much better shape than she was because he had his his security, if you will, his his life insurance and his life assurance. He knew where he would go if he should pass. Mm-hmm. But then I made sure that I let her know, but this is not his time to pass. And I I introduced her to, to Jesus. And this young lady would just curse you up one side and down the other. She was a force to reckon with. But even the times that we went back to UAB, we had nothing but good reports concerning her change. But she came into the room. One day, when they had moved us to another side, and she was just bawling, just crying. Her brother had um, had an accident. He was on his motorcycle, failed to see a, a vehicle, a truck stopped in front of him, and he was going about 55, 60 miles an hour, hmm. and he hit it. Um, they brought him to UAB also. Uh, he wasn't expected to live, he had a lot of internal problems, his legs were broke. He was really, really messed up, and my husband at this time had had the the, um, open heart surgery and had been brought back to our room, and he was laying there in a lot of pain and really weak, and he called her over to his bedside, and he said, if you will listen to me, and if you will do what I tell you to do, your brother will live, and he Sent me uh, to the—I don't remember which intensive care unit he was in—but he was in an intensive care unit. So I went with her, laid hands on him, and just spoke God's word over him for a speedy recover, uh, recovery and healing. And he only he was in the hospital for a couple of weeks. And and they reported that on his way home, that he and the young lady that he was living with gave their lives to the Lord when he got home he started seeing angels, an angel walking around in the house. But he had never had an experience like that before, and he it, it frightened him. He wasn't scared of it, but he was mm-hmm. scared to tell somebody because he feared that they're just going to think that I'm crazy, and sometimes people do. They think you're on drugs or something when you say that you've seen into the spirit realm. But his three-year-old son saw it, and was talking to his father about it, and that gave, then he told everybody, and they told me, and he, of course, was attributing everything to his new experience uh, in the Lord. But my um, visitation was the highest visitation that one can have. It was not an angel. It was actually Jesus himself, and it was as a result of an experience that I was having with, with uh, demons. Um, in my bedroom, we were in Augsburg, Germany, and I woke up one morning and I couldn't—I could not move. I heard these voices. Mm-hmm. It sounded like it was about eight, eight or so, entities at the head of my bed to the side of my bed. They were not very tall. I could tell from the range of the voices that they were about uh, maybe three feet tall, but I could hear them. And they were laughing at me, and that was what got my attention. I thought, wow, they, they're they laughing at me, and they're tormenting me. And then there was this, this hand um, that it was as if when a person, a husband and wife, they are in the bed, and, and perhaps the husband will lay his arm over his wife, and it just kind of hangs over. Well, that was his arm. I couldn't do anything. I couldn't say anything. I was trying to say Jesus, but it wouldn't it wouldn't come out because right, my mouth was like it had paralyzed Pastor, me.
0: Pastor, we're gonna do a little bit of a cliffhanger here. We have to take our news break at the bottom of the hour. Okay. Please stand by. Thank you very much for joining us, Pastor. Explanation. Pastor Patrick Elizabeth Sims is my special guest this hour. She is with Mana Ministries www.manaministries.com and that's M-A-N-N-A M-I-N-I-S-T-R-I-E-S dot net. We're talking about angels, miracles, and much more. We'll be back after the news. Don't go away. On MSN Messenger, Exxon Radio TV, and Hotmail.com, and our website www.exoneradio TV.com.
1: Got too far this
3: time.
0: Welcome back, Explanation. Just imagine this: you're you're over in Germany. You're laying in bed. You think it's about eight o'clock in the morning. You hear these voices. Yes. The, this and, this arm is over you, Pastor, and yes. and take it from there, Pastor.
2: Okay, and it was like a um, yellowish uh, arm, mm-hmm. and I couldn't feel like anything, laying any presence or person laying on my body, but the arm was just hanging there over my left shoulder, and my face, my, um, it felt like it was trying to rip half of my face off because the fingers dug into my left eye, up my left nostril, and on the left side of my mouth, and it was just, it was a horrible or- ordeal, and even though I knew that I have power Scripture says to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of Satan. I was so uh, horrified that I was not in faith. I wasn't thinking about uh, that. I, even though I would say scriptures in my mind, I didn't have the faith for it because I was just so overwhelmed by these happening. Because, happening, but prior to the the demons talking, this time they didn't. They didn't manifest, but they were there. The voices were audible uh, a language that I had never heard before. But my room, my bedroom, had filled with a mist, uh, like a cloud, mm. and there were voices. I could hear voices, like, coming out of a the wall. Um, there was a lion's head that just popped out of the wall, and, and I heard my husband's voice, but it was an impersonation because my husband was at work. He was in the military, and he was at work, so I knew, I knew that it wasn't him, and plus, it was foul everything that this voice was saying was very very foul and um you know i knew that it was supernatural and like i said it was it was horrible horrific but in the midst of all of this and my fear me being overcome by the fear i felt my room shake like an earthquake hit it and it just shook for several seconds and then i heard this voice this audible voice and the voice was like like Daniel spoke about in the Old Testament, uh, a voice, it was like the voice of many, many waters, and it seemed to me, it's it's hard to describe, but it seemed like the voice came from everywhere all at once, stood at the foot of my bed, Mm -hmm. and I knew that it was Jesus. It wasn't just an angel because of what he said and the way that he said it, because I and I keep reiterating this, I was just terrified, and all he said was, "Behold, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. I will never leave you, nor forsake you And I knew that I had read that in uh, matthew twenty eight and twenty and that's all that he said to me. He stood there for a few seconds, and then he just left i be, and at that point, of course, I could move, I could talk, I could do everything because when he spoke. I felt the demons just leave. I felt them, I could feel them turn their attention to him just like my attention was on him. And they this time they were the ones who were terrified and they, they quickly hurriedly left the room.
0: Why do you think And
2: I was still crying when my husband came home for lunch with his friend. It was difficult for me to talk about it mm-hmm. and tell him about it uh, because I couldn't stop crying and Really, this is only about my sixth time since 1979 even sharing it, because I realize that I'm making myself vulnerable to a degree, because some people, they think, well, I don't know what she was on, but uh, Mm it sounds like it was some pretty rough stuff. But, you know, I've never done drugs, never done alcohol. I don't, you know, dip, slip, slip, none of that. So it was actually happening, and we found out why. Why? There There were practicing witches, in the area who knew that we were christians and they didn't want us there the demons behind their belief system did not want us there so they were try- the best they could do was to torment us in this way because they could not really hurt us i mean even though uh, i've had a demon get physical with me twice when we were in Augsburg, Germany they couldn't really possess my body or do me any other harm it was so they were so intense, though, that my two-year-old baby at the time, asleep in her room, had was had started having demonic experiences. And you know, she never heard us talk about it. She didn't know anything about it. But one morning, she came into the room like she did every morning uh, to eat. Mama, get up, let's eat. And she said, this morning, she she came to my bed and she said, Mama, a man was in my bed with me. And I looked at her and I said, well, what did he do? She said, he just lay there. And I said, what did you do? She said, I just looked at him. But from that point on, for it was several months before we could get her to sleep in the bed by herself. It was just one manifestation after the other. And it wasn't just with me. It was some of, with some of the other members in our churches. <clears throat> excuse me. Members in our church that were having visitations and manifestations, too, and for the same reason. It even They even went so far to put voodoo dolls on the church steps. We came out one day in the past and found voodoo dolls, but I, I've actually met two practicing witches that joined our church when we had a church here in Lawton in the 80s, mm-hmm. and one of them, well, actually both of them told us that It works, the witchcraft will work on people, but if that person is truly born again, that it always returns to them. So I know that everything that they were trying to do, that there was really no enchantment against us, because I knew at that time the power in my life. Earlier instances, I didn't know what was going on, but I knew that I wasn't crazy. Mm Mm-hmm. And I knew that what was happening and what I was hearing and what I was seeing was real. I just didn't understand it.
0: Now, can demons actually possess someone, Pastor?
2: Yes, sir, they can. Contrary to maybe popular belief, they actually can. In fact, some of the old movies that came out years ago, like The
3: Exorcist,
2: it's not... um, It's not far from what's really real. And I've had several of my own experiences, and my husband and I together. But um, I remember, once again, when we were in Germany, this is one incident, we were having choir rehearsal, and a man walked in off the street. I will never forget his name. It was Joe Green. No one there had ever seen him, but we were excited. He was coming in. But once he came in, nothing went right. Uh, rehearsals, nobody could hit the right notes, and it was just disturbance. So our leaders, our husband and wife team, uh, the camp, said, I-, I want everybody, go back to your seats, and we're mm-hmm. just going to pray, because I don't really know, we don't know what's wrong, what's happening, this hasn't happened before. And so we stood up, and we began to, to sing and just praise God. And and the young man was behind me. He was the only one on that too, and he started getting just really, really loud, and I thought, oh, okay, well, maybe he's a believer, but then his loudness started getting really, really strange. It wasn't just hands uplifted, praising God, thanking him for his goodness. It was just, it was uh, weird. Um, So he fell out, knocked the pews back, the pew that he was on, knocked that pew back, and the one that we were on jolted it. He fell out on the floor on his back and began to wiggle like a snake, Move his body moved with all ease as if it was a snake itself. And this is what I witnessed with my eyes. So the camps and another brother, I remember his name was Ware, was four of us who were ministers who knew and understood what was going on. We knew that this guy was demon-possessed. He, His voice, there was a guttural voice that... It sounded as if even it was coming out of the pit of his stomach, and I remember Brother Kemp saying, commanding the demons to come out of him, and this voice just shouted a long, no, I'm not not coming out, he's mine, we own him, and his eyes, his eyes changed colors, there was a green gook that was coming out of his mouth and nose, but we stood there and we told the demons that they had no choice. We were commanding them to come out and that they had to come out. And it was, I don't know, now maybe 15 or 20 minutes that they finally delivered him, but they jerked his body around as if to abuse him because they were mad that they had been found out and that they had to come out. And when he was free, he, I saw him shut his eyes, blink his eyes. When he got up, his eyes were the normal colors. He didn't say anything to anybody, he just walked Mm -hmm. from the pew uh, area to the front of the church and got on his knees with his hands uplifted, and he said, he just kept saying, Thank you, Jesus. I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. And that's just one incident. There are several.
0: Pastor, what kind of, how do you protect yourself when you're doing an exorcism? Uh, because is, is, is there a possibility that the demon may leave the host and enter one of the people who were assisting in the exorcism?
2: That can happen if that person is not covered by the blood of Jesus. Um, excuse me. Um, and if they don't know what the Word of God says. So, yeah, it doesn't need to be um, a novice. Mm-hmm. Trying to do what he's heard or what he's seen somebody else do because that demon could actually enter into him and cause some serious problems to him. Um, so yes, you need to know. But I, I stay covered. I stay covered with the with the Word of God. Prayer is a constant in my life. Um, I even say I plead the blood of Jesus over me because I I remember how when the children of Israel were in in exile and they put the blood over the doorpost as protection. Well, even though we're not under the law, but what Jesus did, that was a foreshadow of what Jesus actually did. His blood covers us and protects us when we are truly under his shadow, and I did that. I, I did that when... I was 17. We were always religious. Mm -hmm. I was brought up religious, but at 17, I actually committed my life to the Lord. And that first, my first exorcism happened at 19 years old because then I I understood the Bible. Because before, as I got read it, and it was still Greek to me. But once I said, Lord, I commit my life to you, I want you to live your life in me. Um, It was as if a neon light was flashed, and I understood things more clearly.
0: My gosh, uh, Pastor, you certainly have had a life full. Uh, How is the the bishop doing now, ma'am?
2: The bishop is getting stronger every day. He's the most determined man I have ever seen in my life, and anybody who sees him or around him, will tell you the same thing. They call him the Iron Man, uh, Superman. He just, I know i know he's my husband, and, and, yeah, I love him dearly, and he loves me dearly, and I could, you know, sound prejudiced, but I've had people ask me, um, does he still change the atmosphere in a room when he walks into it? And the answer to that is, yes, he does. He's one of the most motivational people, i have ever seen in my life he is so so determined and anything that he put his mind on his heart in he does it in the name of the lord in fact my husband with what he deals with right now every day he could check out any day and just go on to be with jesus and there's been several times in the last couple of weeks that it would look like that he would and he would tell me don't worry baby it's I still have some things that I have to finish. Uh, there are people who are depending on me. I'm not ready to go yet. I'm not afraid to go. I could go because he's had mm-hmm. uh, two or three out-of-body experiences. Uh, he uh, was actually called up into the heaven. It was awesome just hearing about it. But he is just, he's my hero. He's my hero.
0: Pastor, please stand by. You and I have to take our final break for this hour. Please, as I said, give my very best to the bishop and let him know that he's in our prayers. Thank you so much, Rob.
2: We really appreciate you
0: for that. Stand by, Pastor. Explanation: our special guest this hour is Pastor Patrick Elizabeth Sims. And Pastor Sims is with the MANA Ministries. The website is net. That's M-A-N-N-A m-i-n-i-s-t-r-i-e-s dot net The Good Pastor and I return on the other side of this commercial break as we continue here in the X-Zone from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada So, our guest this hour is Pastor Patrick Elizabeth Sims, and uh, the pastor is with Manum Ministries. Their website is www.dot.manumministries.dot.net, and they're located in Lawton, Oklahoma. First of all, Pastor, thank you very much for sharing your time and and your your experiences with us here in the Exxon and around the world to our listeners. Um, I understand, Pastor, you have a new book coming out in 2011 entitled Eyewitness. Can you tell us what it's about, ma'am?
2: It has a lot to do with some of the things that we've been talking about here today, witnessing, being an eyewitness to the miracle of Mm -hmm. my husband, who is really a continuous miracle. Um, My son, I had a dream. And my husband had a dream. I, uh, someone had a gun pointed to my son's head and pulled the trigger. And I, he called, and I wanted to warn him to be aware, and, but it had already happened, and we had been praying for him. My husband was called out in the, in the night to, um, to pray for him, and when we shared that with him, he said it already happened. He had witnessed someone get killed, oh, and goodness. they had actually put the gun to his head, pulled the trigger three times, and it didn't go off until they removed it from his head. Um, it, it, it's, it's, it's several um, testimonies and the miracles and divine interventions that have taken place with my life, my um immediate family, my Mm -hmm. husband, my children, myself, my father, my mother, uh, because people wonder, many people wonder, do Mm -hmm. miracles still happen today? And um, absolutely, because I've been experiencing them for the last 34 years. Miracles are, are a constant in my life.
0: Once again, Pastor, thank you very much for joining us. A great pleasure talking to you. And I do hope that one day in the future, you and I will have the opportunity of meeting once again here in the X Zone.
2: I would love to, Rob. Uh, thank you
0: so much. Take care, Pastor. Blessings to you and your family. You have a
2: blessed evening. Thank, thank you very you.
0: much, ma'am. Exonation. our guest this hour has been Pastor Patrick Elizabeth Sims, and uh, she is with manaministries.net. They're located in Lawton, Oklahoma. And if you'd like to drop a note to the pastor, PO Box 3605, that's Post Office Box 3605, Lawton, Oklahoma, 73502. You can also visit the uh, the pastor online, www.manaministries.com, that's M-A-N-N-A-M-I-N-I-S-T-R-I-E-S.net. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break as the Exxon continues live and around the world from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, on the Talkstar Radio Network, Exxon Broadcast Network, UK High Definition Radio, Euro High Definition Radio, and Star Cable. Don't go away.
1: You're at Mountain Dew, we'd like to remind you, you got to know what's important and what's not important. Knowing how to tie a tie, not important. Keeping a diary, not important. Trying all the different bold flavors of Mountain Dew, important. Experience the boldest flavors on earth. Do the Dew. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. This is Sarah's O'Reilly Auto Parts story.
0: Driving cross-country with two young children is ambitious, to say the least. Then our check engine light came on. We pulled into O'Reilly Auto Parts, and they tested it. Turned out it was a faulty sensor. They referred us to a great mechanic just down the street, and we were back on the road in no
3: time. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.